Welcome to Asray Pod. This past week, Asray Park was once again hosting the Light of Day Foundation series of concerts, which raised money to fund research into possible cures, improve treatments and support for patients with Parkinson's disease and its related illnesses, ALS and PSP. We were lucky enough to talk to one of this year's performers. Joining us today is New Jersey singer-songwriter Lisa Bouchelle, who will be opening and closing the Light of Day series this week. We talked to Lisa about her music, touring, and what it's like to cook with the great Chubby Checker. Hint, keep the fire extinguisher handy. Welcome, Lisa. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark, so subscribe to Asbury Park, I mean pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark, everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. From Route 35 to Convention Hall, it's very pod. Covers it all as Berry Pod. I love you. I love you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Joe. Hope Happy you New are Year. well. Welcome everybody to 2023. And we are kicking off 2023 with a podcast where we're going to talk about Light of Day and one of the performers at Light of Day. Very excited for that, Joe. How's your New Year been so far? Oh, it's great. They're still here. Nothing happened. That that's that's good news. Right. Very, very quiet. You know, I don't I don't you know, I don't do anything. So Yeah, um, we don't I don't really do anything either. <laughs> 2023 looks very similar to 2022 and yeah. and 2021 and 2020. Yeah. Um, with the pandemic sprinkled in there. So anyway, um Lisa, so we're gonna week- ask you to just give a little bit of an intro of yourself, and then we're gonna pepper you with some questions, talk about light of day, because we talked about light of day before we even started taping, and I was already wrong. Um, which is weird because I thought we gave light of day people a proclamation from the city, but anyway. what well, starts Thursday, right? So, Amy, Lisa, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Lisa Bouchelle, and I'm a singer-songwriter. Um, I play um often in Asbury Park, and I also tour um, nationally and some internationally, and I host a TV show called Rockstar Kitchen on Comcast Network, and I'm just really excited because I'm going to be kicking off the light of day with a performance at the kickoff and then at the finale show, so it's going to be fun. Right. You have two shows in the light of day coming up on thir- coming up on Thursday. Um, yeah. You're the first performer um, of, of, of the Asbury Park. I think it starts to, on the 11th in New York City with the Clarence Clemens. Oh, okay. okay. But, but in Asbury, you're the first Asbury performer. Yeah. Um, and um, so, and you're closing, right? And you're closing yes, at, yeah, at, at, um, yeah. I'm going to kick it off um, the 12th. We play with my full band at Asbury Lanes. And then on the 15th, I'll be um, part of Songwriters by the Sea at McLoon's Supper Club. Yeah, you know, light of day so for Lisa those. Takes- 
Well, I was just going to say, let's just describe light of day because we have a we have, I don't know, four listeners not from Asbury Park or not from the area. (laughs) So light of day is a big fundraiser for Parkinson's and ALS or you correct me, Lisa. I know Parkinson's and ALS. Yes. Uh, Bob Benjamin, I'm friendly with. And, um, you know, it's a it's a really great fundraiser near and dear to a lot of people who have gone through um, something themselves or with people with Parkinson's and their family, uh, friends. And um, it's just been going strong for so long. And so many people come together, so many musicians and and fans of music come together. And it's just one of those festivals that just seems like it, it gains in strength over the years. And it's just, you know, it's a force of nature and it's really something worthwhile. And I feel good to be a part of it. Yeah. It started out in 2000 with just a, you know, a one, one night uh, you know, gig, I think in Red Bank. And now. Um, oh, really? That's before I started. I performed lots <laughs> of years that I hadn't been there. Then. Yeah. I started. Um, well, I looked it up today because uh, I, you know, I, I'm aware of Light of Day, but I had to look it up, you know, just to make sure what I knew what I was talking about. And I was like, oh, I had no idea it lasted, it was that long. And, uh, and as you mentioned, it gets bigger every year. And so now it's yeah. not only in Asbury, it's in Montclair, it's in New York City, it has concerts in Canada and Europe. It's become right. a worldwide phenomenon. Yep. And so and pe- I looked it up as well, Joe, because <laughs> I also was like, I'd heard of it. it I, had, I have even, I've gone to it too over the years. So it started in 1998 in the downtown cafe in Red Bank. And a fun oh. fact, Eileen Chapman's first date with what is now her husband, Tommy, was at that event in a cafe in Red Bank in 1998. Because I called oh her Eileen. Yeah, Eileen Chapman's on the council with me. So she's like my music guru because I am not as up on music as Eileen is. Um, so I called her a little bit about Light of Day as well. And she was the one telling me... Um, that uh so for years i feel like a bulk of it was in asbury park at the paramount and the and always the pony but the paramount as well and then i you know the paramount's not open um so i'm gathering not the bulk of it no longer appears to be quite as much in asbury park is that is that a fair assessment or no no it has a lot in asbury but it's just bigger than that now i think you know it's in you're in uh lisa your show's in the lane you're at yeah, um McLean's. First, yeah i have performed in the past with my band at the paramount for a light of day mm. yeah um, yeah we've done Langosta. i've done the saint with women of song in the past at um at light of day um probably the pony and the uh, definitely the wonder bar i mean i've played the pony many times I'm trying to think if that was part of light of day i think so one year and um, just, you know, this is my first time actually performing at Asbury Lanes. I've attended concerts there, but I hung out there, but I've never performed there. So Lisa, going back to the light of day, how did you get introduced to the light of day people? Is it, you already, you were already in and around the music scene and just knew people and you knew the, um, you know, uh, the founder. Um, yeah. And, um, and you're, you're in Philly, but you're from Trenton originally. Yeah. Well, I'm, I live right outside of Trenton now. Uh I, and, uh, I my show, my TV shows are taped in Philly, but I was performing um, at the Jersey Shore. I've always performed at Jersey Shore a lot. That's kind of where I, you know, cut my teeth with my original uh, music. And I knew a lot of people and was asked to be part of it um, and probably have been. I don't I'm not good with time, but I would say I've probably been in light of day for, oh, gosh, uh, maybe seven years. I've been doing mm-hmm. it, a long time. Um, and this first one's going to be really cool because of the lineup they have, um, at Asbury Lanes. It's like with me is Steve Forbert, Adam Ezra, who I've 
open for on tour before, so I'm familiar. I know them. Fantastic Cat, Williams Honor, James Maddock. It's going to be like um, a whole bunch of um, artists, you know. So it's and they also have an acoustic stage where I think like they alternate between the band shows, like my my show, and then in between each band uh, performance, they have the acoustic stages like Matt and Aaron, Ray and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Thistle, Pete Mancini, a bunch of people. So it's kind of like, it's one of those things where like when we did a Wonder Bar before too, it was kind of like that, like they had us on stage and then there was no lull in time while they got the next band up. They had another acoustic stage. So it's just like ongoing music. It's a huge event and there's so many talented musicians. I mean, the lineup you're um, starting with on Thursday is amazing. Um, Steve Forbert, you know, lives in Asbury Park. He's played a million times, and I, it's, I swear I've seen him on the boardwalk, but never seen him. I always miss when he's playing, and it irritates me uh, that I've missed him so much because I grew up as a huge Steve Forbert oh, uh, fan, yeah. right? And yeah. um, and it's so crazy. He lives here, and he, like I pass him on the street. I don't say anything because I'd be like, sound like a crazy person, but uh, <laughs> um, you know. And so you're, the lineup is great. And wait, you're also doing um. Who are you closing with? I'd written it down before. Uh, the uh, the Summers by the Sea is like Jeffrey Gaines, who I've performed with. I've performed with, and I've I've opened. It's funny because the first show I've opened for Steve Forbert. I've opened on tour for Adam Ezra, so it's gonna be like a little reunion. And then yeah. the close show on the fifteenth, Jeffrey Gaines, who I've worked with, Willie Nile, uh, Joe mm-hmm. Brashecki, Joe Rapola, uh, Emily Grove, Christine Martucci, who I'm friendly with, uh, Ben Arnold. Glenn Alexander and Aria Aspen and Mark Ribbler, who I've worked with. So it's right. going to, uh, it's going to be like a family affair. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I I'd read in your biography that you, you were sort of musically talented when you were growing up, but what, what was your first rock and roll show? Like when you stepped out on stage for the first time in front of the band? Oh, um, I was quite young. I like mm. 14, I think. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I like warm and wow. Theater and and uh, Trenton, yeah, because I was on stage since I was like four years old. So and not right. because of stage parents, they tried to stop me, but I wouldn't have it. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I um, it's been a long time. I feel sometimes I've been doing it all my life, and I feel sometimes more comfortable on stage um, than mm-hmm. just in a social environment. I'm just so at home there. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's all my life. <laughs> So this is like, since you were little, this is what you've always wanted to be. Yes. Yeah. I I found out early on that when I would sing, it would bring people together. My family, for one, was kind of dysfunctional (laughs) and (laughs) would kind of get along for a while after I would perform. And if I was in a show with other performers, they would talk about all the performers, how much they enjoyed it and just seemed like a way to bring people together. And that's kind of always been my driving force. Um, you know, let people step outside of all that's going wrong for a little while and just get into the music together. You know, it's 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 good. It's a spiritual. It's magical to me to be a musician and have the chance to do that for a living. And what were you listening to growing up? Like, who were your inspirations? I actually had a lot very varied because, you know, my friends were listening to like pop music and stuff. But I think what was near and dear to me was, you know, as geeky as it is, my parents and music. but listening to like all the classic um like my mom would listen to a lot of Joan Baez and Crosby Stills Nash and Young and that's kind of how I started writing my lyrics and that's where I started from and uh other part of my family was really into classic country um more like I'm not talking about like popular country now I'm talking more like Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Outlaw Country, you know and just right. and I kind of just got that grit to it and that's kind of what I started with 
my mom had Joan Baez albums too. So I grew up listening to Joan Baez. Her voice Dimes is... Diamonds of Rust. Yeah, Diamonds of Rust, which <laughs> I, I always point, point this out that, you know, Judas Priest is the world's greatest Joan Baez cover band, you know, because they did Diamonds and Rust and no one appreciates <laughs> that unless they're a Judas Priest fan. But Joan Baez's voice is somewhat singularly unique. I mean, really, every time you, you know, growing up, it, um, I was struck. I mean, I'm, I'm a terrible musician. So I, my cats think I'm great, but I, you know, I think I grew up listening to the same kind of music and that fell in love with a voice like Joan Baez, which is just, you know, such a stunning uh, performer. And, um, and I, I found, you know, you do a really tremendous cover of Gordon Lightfoot's uh, a Gordon Lightfoot song. That's another person from that era too. It's really a wonderful song. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're listening, you know, you can find, um, you know, uh, Lisa's music on, on Spotify or other streaming services, but certainly seek out um, if you could read my mind, but the covers was really just, well, uh, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Listen to it a couple of times. Uh, Thank you. The last couple of days. Really, uh, Great, song. Great song. Lisa, I'm, take us through like a little, ha, ha, the, the process. So you're, you're playing, you're, you're singing, you're playing music, you're, you're sort of bringing people together and you, you're in high school or middle school or surviving it as we all are. And you're thinking, um, this, this is it. This is, this is the thing for me. I'm always so fascinated when we have people on the show who tell us from like childhood on, they're like, this is, this was the thing for me. Cause I, I still don't know what I want to do when I'm 46. So, <laughs> um, so just how, how do you start this process? Are you playing? I know Hal mentioned that you were playing in Asbury in the early days, um, you know, take us through a little bit of that. Well, my first guitar teacher turned me onto a band. It was a bluegrass band and I was just happy to get in anything. And he said to me, he said, you know, you're doing great with your lessons. You know, I, I went through guitar lessons outside of school and singing lessons outside of school. I wasn't real involved in um, at school, although I did play flute for a short while. Um, <laughs> I was a dropout of band school band. Um, so my guitar teacher said, you'll learn more out there playing then you'll learn with me in a year just a couple gigs and I was petrified because I could sing really well but as far as my guitar playing I was a novice but they took me in I guess my voice carried me through and it was like baptism by fire I learned so much he was right and of course I continued my guitar lessons but I started with that band and um from there I decided that I wanted to form my own band and I did and um at that time it was a lot of rock, uh, country, pop, just a mishmash of different uh, songs, cover songs. I was a remakes that I, that I loved. And I throw in a couple songs that I wrote. And one of my bandmates was like, I really love your songs. Let's go to that. You write, let's go to some open mics. So I started doing that. And, um, and people really seemed to dig the lyrics. And at first it unnerved me because they were my personal feelings. And it's just so you know, on the table. And it was just, it was just weird, you know, because when you're a performer, you can wear costumes, hide behind the costumes, the makeup, the glitter, and all of a sudden you're just bearing your soul, you know? Um, and at first that unnerved me, but I saw how it moved people and how people felt less alone because you know what? You write something, you think you're the only one feeling that and here everybody is. It's kind of like the way we listen to music. If you're upset about something, you hear a song that somebody records and writes and you're like, wow, they feel that way too. They're singing my song, you know? And, um, and I loved it. So I formed my own original act. And um, and then I started, kept doing the open mics and performing around. And I actually met um, Hal from my management team at one of these open mics. And he was writing about music and stuff. And he said, oh, you know, I could write about your band. And I, I sat on my CD. And then the next CD that I made, 
it wasn't as big of a budget. I, uh, you know, but I did it sort of, I wanted to do it more my own way, like get my own voice, just really make it sound like me. And so the production wasn't really as good as the first CD, but the, the writing, how Gotti said, you know, this is really, this has really come a long way. I want to maybe shop you to some people that I know. And, um, you know, we signed a management deal. And now I have this whole management team. And so much has happened since then over the years with that management team. We started my TV show, Rockstar Kitchen. I've done a lot of touring. Um, so it really built up from the ground, but it didn't know anyone in the industry. And I didn't have money behind me or anything like that. I just kept going, you know, and I guess I always say that music chose me. I really didn't even choose it. It just chose me. Well, I guess the only way to be a musician is to be out and play. Oh, sorry, Amy. (laughs) No, 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 no. I was just going to say when you mentioned bluegrass. So did I read right that you were open for, is it blues, blues traveler who was like, when I was in high school was like a huge so I'm 46. So I was in high school in the nineties. And that was like a band that, you know, to, to see in person back then was difficult. And then blues Trevor came to the stone pony and came to Esbury. So I was able to see the band a couple of times, but did I read that right? Yeah, actually on um, my very first tour, uh, my very first band I was in was a blue rest band just because they were the only ones who would take me when I was right. 14, <laughs> but my, my uh, maybe 13, my first tour that I got, it was so exciting. I found out on a Wednesday that I was going to go on tour. I always wanted to go on tour and it was going to start on Saturday in New Orleans. So I was in New Jersey in Atlantic city. When I got the call from my management, I was so excited. So you have to cancel all of your gigs for the next like eight weeks. We don't really have a budget, you know, like now I'll go in a little bus and we had just my car, pack some canned goods in the trunk. Don't forget a can opener. That's my word of advice to everybody. If you're going to pack uh-huh. canned goods, um, and costumes in the backseat, my guitar, I just go. And, um, I started driving. I had like two days to get down to new Orleans and I like literally melted down on Decatur street. Luckily I've been to new Orleans with my family a bunch of times. So it felt familiar. Didn't know blues traveler. It was opening for blues traveler. Um, and I was driving. Really? Cause well, then blues my- Travelers was pretty huge. At least back in my day, it was pretty huge. Well, this was 2007, my first tour. So I get down there and um, I am walking into the venue, which was House of Blues. At the time, that was like a big on tour on these size tours. House of Blues was big theaters like um, Count Basie and they sprinkle in House of Blues. These days, it seems like theaters and then they sprinkle in like city wineries. But at that yeah. tour, <laughs> so I, I'm Blues Traveler at the House of Blues. So I walk up the stairs and I walked in. My heart was pounding. I was exhausted and overwhelmed. And they were like, Jersey girl, because they're from Princeton. Yeah. I made friends with them. They had me up on stage every night, and it was like this amazing experience. Thank God, right? And I stayed friends with all of them. And John and I, um, you know, we actually recorded a song together called "Only the Tequila Talking" that I wrote with John Eddie, and we did a mm-hmm. duet that was all over Spotify. And he mm-hmm. um, did my pilot for me flew back and did my pilot tv show for my for my rock star kitchen so we stayed friends forever but i have a song if anyone wants to hear the story of that tour i don't take pictures but i write songs about things so the way you could understand it is it's an autobiographical tale called whole lot of highway and it's the title track to my whole lot of highway family cd check that out it is completely honest from the start of the song today it explains the whole thing about how i went on 
tour with the canned goods in my trunk. <laughs> I would say that that's a good tour to be on because I I met uh, I've met Blues Travelers and they were uh, Blues Traveler and they were the nicest people. Um, nice. You know, we were invited backstage because my wife's friends, um, one of my wife's good friends, is her bro- uh, his brother was the drummer. And so he invited us backstage. We got to hang out on the on the wings of the stage, and everybody in the band came up and said, "Hey, how you know how's it going?" Because you know they they didn't have to be nice. There's a million hangers yeah. gone around a band like that, and they came. Each one of them came over and said, "Oh, you're 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 so and so's friend." And I just thought that was that they were really nice um, people. And so I guess good friends to have in the industry because they've been around for such a long time too. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, that song with John Popper is great. Um, oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Booster. I've seen, I, well, I had seen, when I was younger, I had seen them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, not so much. I, I do have a a question. You, uh, I read somewhere in your, uh, that you have, uh, also sing the national anthem at baseball games. And I have a question about this because this seems to be the most terrifying thing that could ever be asked of somebody. Like when they, someone approaches you and asks you to sing the national anthem, you know, is your first response, no way. You know, because it's so stressful, or you were like, I can't wait to get out there. I can't that's... wait to get out there. Of course, <laughs> right. it's, stress- it's stressful, like bungee jumping or something, which I'm not right. going to do. <laughs> well, just because it's a, well, because it's such a difficult song to sing. That's my so every time I go to a baseball game, I'm always I get nervous for the singer. I'm me like, oh, too, God. Me too, me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. think the worst part about that song, it's like you know, Holy Night, where they put the really high note at the end. So right. you're trying to stay in the moment in the song, pay attention to your notes, and all you're really thinking on the back burner is, Holy crap, that note's coming up, and right. it kind of like yeah, it haunts you. Right, yeah. So I'm I'm always like on pins and needles during the, the national anthem. I was like, I hope this works out for them. And usually it yeah. does. Like you know, you know, and uh, yeah, you've done it multiple times. So obviously it's worked out for you. But my, you know, I cannot imagine some. You know, even if I was a talented singer, if somebody asked me to do it, I would just be terrified to do it. So you know, uh, but uh, you know, I guess if you're a singer in the first place, it's what you want to do. And what bigger stage than a than a baseball stadium for? That's people, true. Right? Yeah. That's true. And Lisa, you've been playing around Asbury Park for years. To, to, that experience, uh, uh, just because Asbury Park's always curious to me, places that are interesting to... So I have a couple questions related to this. I always wonder if, like, is it... A, it would you rather have a rowdy cl- crowd or less people, right? Like, do you, like, is there spaces that acoustically, like, is the saint better than the pony? <laughs> Um, just, uh, I'm a little bit curious about playing in musical venues in Esbury Park because we have this long musical history, um, rightfully so, uh, but I'm just curious about venues. Where is it great to play and where is it not great to play? I wouldn't say, I would say something's better or worse than Esbury Park, but I gotta say they're all so different. Like, I mean, I, like I said, I've played at the Paramount and obviously like it's this amazing sound. I played there with my band. I played their solo for a couple of songs for Light of Day. Um, and that's got that theater sound. And honestly, like playing theaters like that is probably my favorite. And I've done like, like bigger, like big ones, like, you know, open when I went out to open for Meatloaf on tour. But I think like that size, like Paramount, like, um, you know, that size is a really great, venue for me and experience the sound and it's quiet people are listening but then when we went to the saint with the band a couple times for women a song it was like i couldn't even hear the monitor so basically i just went out and i already knew the second time i was there i already knew that was gonna happen so i went out like on the edge of the stage luckily i didn't fall um in front of the monitors and it was just rocking and the and the spirit in the crowd people are like right there like in the pit in front of you just like so that's a whole different experience 
Um, so I, I loved it, but it was so different. Um, I played the pony a lot and that's always a good sound inside or out. Um, I'm just used to that. So that's really comfortable. And I think if the sound's really good, you can really get into, especially the lyrics and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the audiences are always great there. That's pretty good balance of all of that to me. Langosta, we've performed for songwriters by the sea. And that is just really, that's really nice as well. I mean, that's like, you're saying like where everyone's really quiet and everyone's listening as was the watermark when I performed there in that same type of setting mm -hmm. um, they're just very very different i think that's what makes asbury park so much fun you can just walk like the wonder bar you go in and it sounds like the sound is like a gymnasium but it's cool you know it's yeah. just like yeah i don't know everything's just different as far as i'm concerned it's i like I in asbury you can go from sort of like the paramount which is you know a few well over two thousand seats and then you can go to watermark and have a much more or the saint and have a much more intimate experience and yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, I, I see the appeal of that tremendously. But it sounds like Lisa's uh, saying music. all of the above. You know. <laughs> I just like the variety. You know, I like yeah. the variety of it. But you know, the thing with Asbury Park is, no matter where you go, they're gonna people are so into music, and like I touring all over, you can mention it, and everyone knows of it. It's like legendary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen shows at all those venues, and they're all good. You know, they're all enjoyable. Like every one of them. Um, you can have a good time and it's got to be fun for the performer uh, regardless. I think, yeah, playing in a mosh pit in the Saint would be fun. Um, <laughs> it is fun. Right. You know what else I did in the summertime? We performed, they had uh, me at Paquadano and I, who I, I love his music. We did yeah. a duet out like outside um, on the deck, like of the, near the Paramount, like along the, the yeah. beach. Yeah, that was, that was mm -hmm. really nice. Yeah. yeah, people have he, weddings up there. It's he's, nice. yeah. he's been playing forever. Yeah, he's he's yeah. been playing for a long time. Yes, yeah, he's great. I love working with Pat. And yeah, he's great. His Bob Fest is, is great. Turning... Oh, Sorry, no, Amy. geez, Joe, I, Joe, and I have not done a show now, right? Since like for three weeks, because this is our kickoff. We're out of sync. Sorry about so that. We're like, <laughs> no, no, we're we're totally not. Um, we're no, I just moved the camera. I didn't actually have my. It. I didn't have your camera up, so I couldn't see your face. So, all right, now I'm back. Um, so I think we had Pamela Flores on who, uh, I think she's also, she, she's a local musician plays around. Is there like, um, uh, uh, when she was sort of describing playing, there's a, is there a witching hour where things do people start their evening off well? And then it, so I'm going to say this as a city official, I get all of the police reports in the downtown and the waterfront. So I know there comes a point in the evening where Things can, not always, and they don't go unpleasant at Watermark. They don't go unpleasant in most places. They don't go unpleasant at Langosta. But there is an hour, there is an hour or two where things turn. Would you is that like a fair statement where you're like, oh, I would love to play before this hour? Well, I haven't been in that hour, but now I'll watch out for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the police reports, Lisa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think it's like if you're a musician, also, I think you know, like uh um. I don't play on stage anymore, but if I, when I did, you know, one beer, two beers was good. And there's a, there's a point of diminishing returns at, at some point, like we're not. Oh, not so yeah, good. yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, one drink is good. Any more than that is usually bad. Right? Yeah. Around the third one <laughs> is like, I think I sound great. And I don't think that's, oh, that's so good. You know, this audience is not sharing that perception. <laughs> I hear clear a lot. <laughs> um, you also were, were instrumental in the restore the shore. Um, uh, fundraiser post post hurricane Sandy the song which uh, uh, drew together a lot of the artists who are actually playing in light of day as well 
Yeah. Um, and that's a good, you know, that's uh, also available if you, you people out there, you can listen to the, that song on the um, Spotify and other streaming services. And, um, and that's quite a, you know, that's quite a, an, um, an endeavor to bring so many people together. Um, it was something, you know, and, and my management team helped me a lot with contacting everybody. But the thing is, everybody was just so willing to come in mm-hmm. and be part of it. You know, I think that's that's profound about the Asbury community, uh, Asbury Park community. I mean, like, you know, I, I like I say, I tour around and there's just something special about the New Jersey music scene. It really is a scene, you know, that's hard to find. And um, oh, so uh, I also wanted to bring up, uh, you know, uh, while you're here, I did get a chance to see the your um, your TV show isn't available in this area, but I did find some clips on YouTube and of you playing with Eddie Money and the guys from Foreigner and yeah. um, and uh, and Chubby Checker, who uh, amazing. <laughs> and so John Popper was your first guest. So is that is the show still going on? Is there any chance that it would expand to this uh, this area? So currently, if um, I think if you live in Philly or Virginia, you can see it, right? Yes. Um, what's really great and uh, the uh, we're working on right now is we're working on taking it national, and we're probably going to start filming for that um, in March or April. So it'll be if that goes through as I expect it will. Uh, it'll be a lot of new guests, new episodes, and um, will be national, so it won't be hard to find. So I'll let you know about that when I absolutely mm-hmm. can announce that officially. Sure. <laughs> I was so take us, talk a little bit about Rockstar Kitchen. Like, you know, take us through where did that idea come from? How did it come to fruition? Well, I was out recording um, in Seattle with John Popper. We were working on some stuff, and Brendan, the drummer that you were mentioning, I think your mm-hmm. wife, is, he was playing on the track as well. So John was coming in later to the studio in Seattle. And Brendan and I were in the studio tracking some stuff and uh, we took a break and this particular studio had a nice little kitchen and we went in there and we were, I don't know, we were having a snack, but we were acting goofy. I'm like, here, put this in the oven. I don't know why we were acting goofy like that. I said, wow, we should have a show where people make music and we also like cook and stuff, cooking and music, like food and music. What's better, right? So then he was like, that's a great idea. So I got at this idea and I brought the idea home to my team and I'm like, this is good. We should try this. They loved it. But of course, you know, and, and I'll tell you, Rockstar Kitchen got the highest ratings for original content on that network, right? On that syndicated network. It still took us a year and a half of shopping that. So we found a home. So mm-hmm. when you're, I guess my message is when you're doing something, if you think it's worthwhile, pursue it. It doesn't mean because you knock on some doors and it doesn't happen. I mean, that happened to the Beatles too. It just keep going. But anyway, it ended up, it was a good idea. And then we started filming and well, we had to do the pilot first. And that's when John flew back and I said, come on, please do this with me. So we did. And, um, and it got picked up. So um, it was, it was pretty amazing. And, you know, we film like usually two episodes a day and it has to go around the schedule of the people coming through on tour. Cause you figure they're going to come on if they're either doing a tour, writing a book, uh, Corey Glover from, uh, you know, Living Color, he has a, a hot sauce. So it's like, you know, they have to have something happening in order to mm-hmm. come on and promote. They want to promote. So um, and that's what we do. We usually just film like two a day and um, it's pretty live. We don't do a lot of, you know, editing. Is that filmed in Philly? It was. Yes. Yeah, so far mm-hmm. it has been. Um, we may be filming in Nashville on the next episodes and maybe some on location. But I want to leave a lot more 
not bloopers, but a lot more real stuff in it. I want to edit, you know, yeah. like Chubby Chacker, when he was on, he almost burned the place down by accident. <laughs> <laughs> and the, you know, the guy, they came up and see what was going on. And I was like, this should be left in there. You know what I mean? So it's funny. Well, uh, you know, I have to uh, confess, I, I was a huge Eddie Money fan. I, I saw him live four or five times in my 20s. And so when I saw the clip, it must have been right before he passed away when he, when he was on the show or not long right before that. Before, right before he got really sick, you know? Yeah. And uh, and I hadn't thought about him in years. I was like, man, I, you know, I loved Eddie Money. He was such a good uh, performer. Um, you know, uh, if you saw him live, uh, he was a lot of fun. Uh, to see. Do you work with the same chef every time? Is it Tony Clark every time or is it? Uh, it was. Yeah. We're going to be doing some different things with the new one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I don't know, you know, there we're still, we're still ironing out all those details of exactly what we're going to do in terms of the chef and on all of that. So we'll see how it goes. That sounds awesome, Lisa. Um, light of day is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Well, we're Thursday. We start ours at Asbury Lanes is Thursday, the 12th. Mm-hmm. That's the kickoff. Wait a second, 6.45. And then, um, so I guess it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I know my Sunday show, Songwriters by the Sea, is 6 p.m., I believe. And ticket links, obviously, lightaday.org and also lisabruchel.com. You can get all mm-hmm. the details and stuff on there and just click on the links, so. I'm curious what you're going to think of um, Asbury Lanes, which turned into, you know, was it has a, a long history run by a lot of locals years ago and then um, was revamped um, and still a beautiful space, you know, a really beautiful space. Uh, I've seen a couple of shows there. We just saw Ani DeFranco there within Ooh. the last couple, you know, within the last month or two, she was playing there. So um, sort of a... a, a Sm- certainly smaller than the paramount but but still big for you know still like a, a a crowd that you can kind of feel that vibe and and um and hopefully you know connect with um with everybody up on stage would you would you describe it that way joe yeah i mean i haven't been to the new one uh to be honest but the old lanes was um was great i you know uh the the design of the new lanes um i shouldn't say i haven't been there i haven't seen a show there yet at the new lanes not out of um just accidentally i've had tickets to a couple of shows and then couldn't make it but like you know uh, uh have you played did you play the old lanes lisa or is this your first time playing the lanes i've not played the lanes i yeah. i went bowl there once I, <laughs> um, I and i played brooklyn bowl in brooklyn i'm thinking right. you know, i mean that similar vibe you know it's a, it's a unique idea um i'm looking forward to it. i think it sounds like a, like the hip place you know like to hang out and play so the old one was kind of great because people didn't necessarily stop bowling when the band started. So there was a bit they of don't have the ball either. You're like, you're yeah. like the old, and the old one had, you know, also like sort of interesting bands. I saw the gossip there, you, you know, years and years and years ago mm. they played. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what y'all think about the lanes. The other sort of interesting venue, and I don't know that I've seen a band there. So um but I've seen I, John Waters was there. Uh, is House of Independence? That's another like venue. I'm there, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, I'd be curious if you play there at some point. That's another like I've seen a couple of dance shows there. Um, you know, a, a beautiful venue, no, no question about it. And I wouldn't, you know, I don't have a musical ear, so I wouldn't know if it's acoustically a great place to play or not. But um, a, another sort of 
venue that's, you know, obviously much, much smaller than the Paramount, but, but provides like a really nice intimate experience. And so I'm going to say this again as like a person who, you know, goes to see the Indigo Girls because I'm a lesbian from the 90s. <laughs> and for me, when I see a show like seeing seeing like pink at Madison Square Garden is like so much less appealing to me than something in a smaller venue where I can kind of feel connected to. Um, so we just saw like um, Indigo Girls at like Count Basie or or I see shows at the Vogel. Did I, I hope yeah. I said the name of that place, right? Yeah. But those are like that to me. Um, and maybe it's a result of like my forties. And I don't, I don't know as a musician, if that changes over time for you, but as a, a listener, I would much prefer a, a smaller, more intimate experience than a bigger one. Totally. Well, I mean, I think as a musician, I, I, I feel that same thing from the stage because I'm feeling a live performance to me is not like recorded. It's there's a synergy with the audience and every moment is unique because you're in that moment. I mean, the audience makes the show, the participation or the, just their vibe as much as the artist. So when you're in a smaller venue, I can really almost see them, feel them, hear people's reactions. I think it changes the way I, you know, I don't, I don't memorize everything and watch myself and practice in the mirror and do it. I don't do that. I, I'm a live performer first and foremost. And that synergy, you know, changes the color and the, the texture of my show. So I think this, when the smaller intimate venues, it's, it's easier to feel that connection with the audience. Well, let's not lose the sight. Lisa, we de Lisa definitely wants to play Madison Square Garden. Uh, no, so <laughs> actually, actually, I was scheduled to play Madison Square Garden with one of the tours we were going through, yeah. and then it didn't happen. And it almost happened a second time, and it didn't happen. So literally, it's on like they call your bucket list. It's literally on my bucket list. <laughs> right, next time around. You know, I think I've seen... Uh, you know, following up with Amy said, one of the best shows I've seen in Asbury Park, I saw Lucinda Williams at the Stone Pony. Um, inside. I saw Lucinda Williams at Count Basie years ago, and it was a great experience. Well, I had seen her before at Radio City in the State Theater, New Brunswick, you know, and um, and I liked all, loved all the shows, right? But the State Theater was great because she was, you know, as as Lisa pointed out, you're right there, the performers right there, your feet, she can see, she actually can see her face, uh, you know, and even hear your side comments. It was so close, so it was really a great. Um, that's good and bad because someone starts talking about their landscape, or maybe that's not what she wants to hear. But for the rest of us, it was uh, you know, a very great experience to see someone right like right there in front of us. So. I have to give one shout out, Lisa, to Hal, so um, who's part of your management team. So uh, you know how I met Hal while I'm on the council in Asbury, and one of our regulars who comes to all the council council meetings, who we should have on the show, his name's Bob, um, Bob Rizzo, who owned a, I think he owned a CD. Do you know who he is, Lisa? Bob, Bob Rizzo, yes. Yes. He yeah, yeah. So he's, yeah, he's very, so I only know him in the context of, he comes to all the council meetings. I don't know him in the context of music. So he comes to the council meeting. It's one of the first years of See Here Now. And he, he comes over to talk to me about municipal issues. And then he says something about See Here Now. I said, oh, we're big fans of um, Joan Jett. You know, so really looking forward to, to Joan Jett. Um, and, um, and, you know, that's like talk about bucket list, like seeing Joan Jett's definitely, you know, on the bucket list of things I'd want to see. And he's like, oh, I know Hal and uh, I'll send him a note. So I, I think nothing of it, right? I don't know how. I, again, only know um, Bob from council meetings and complaining about taxes or whatever. 
And I get this email from Helen. He's like, listen, I'm in this band and do you want to meet Joan Jett? And again, I'm like, oh, this is bullshit. So I send it, I must have sent it to Eileen. I sent it to somebody. I'm guessing it was Eileen. I'm like, hey, listen, I think I got spam. Some guy's offer telling me he's playing at Sea Here Now and he's telling me, you know, he knows Joan Jett. And um, you know, is this spam? And Eileen's like, no, it's not spam. You know, no, it's not spam. And she's telling me about Hal. And anyway, true to Hal, he I I met Joan Jett at see here now i i uh i i he introduced me i you know he was amazing and the band was amazing um but i i would be remiss if i did not give him that shout out which i thought for sure was just a spam message of somebody not really knowing joan jett (laughs) that's funny yep shout out to hal shout out to bob rizzi Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're good guys. They're good guys. So, okay. See here now, um, Lisa, I don't know if you're good on possibly just performing a song or two. I don't know how it'll come off on zoom, but we would love to hear, we would love for you to do it. If you're feeling okay with that. I'd love to. (laughs) Didn't have to go far to get my guitar. (laughs) So here's the song that we actually, this was very exciting. Um, another bucket list item. I charted number 21 on the billboard charts. We charted with this song called Jump In. And it's about not overthinking stuff. And sometimes just got to take a leap of faith. And it's the title track to my new record. Here we go. Jump in. Just a quick note here. The internets have let us down. Uh, Lisa was kind enough to perform a version of her new single Jump In right here, but we could not get a clean recording over Zoom. So Lisa and Howe were kind enough to send us one, which we've inserted here. So now please enjoy Jump In by Light of Day artist Lisa Bouchelle.
That's great. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. Now, Light of Day is uh, coming up. Uh, it's, everyone should check out Light of Day. What is the website? It's um, lightofday.org, light probably. Yeah, lightofday.org for the Light of Day Foundation. And if you can't make the show, please consider a donation. And um, Amy, did you want to ask? No, I was going to say the same thing you are. You know, we just hope everybody keeps in mind that this is, you know, a fundraiser drawing attention to um, Parkinson's and ALS um, and Bob. Uh, does an amazing job, has been doing an amazing job with this event for years. Tony Pellegrosi, um, you know, all the people involved in this event, big, big shout out and um, and always happy to see it uh, come back year after year. 